you know, Brian puts these things together, and they always have to be epic, you know. And I, I always looked at it, these, uh, these, these trailers that lead up to this time, and I think, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs ought to be crashing through the back, you know, back wall. But no, it's just me. Hi. Me again. Oh, well. But I'm really excited because this new series is going to be a lot of fun. It's called Pearls, the Dynamics of Choosing Wisely. Now, think of a, uh, a, this, this high school teacher, a high school teacher who came in and he had his whiteboard and he was standing next to it and he had a handful of jelly beans. And he said, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to list all your names here. So he listed everybody in the class and he said, I want you to guess how many jelly beans I have in my hand. And so uh, next to each person's name, he listed the number of jelly beans they guessed in his hand. And then next to that, he said, I want you to tell me your favorite song. Okay, so he listed all our favorite songs. So he had their names in one column. He had the number of jelly bean guests in the next column. And then in the third column, their favorite song. And so then he went through and, uh, and, and told them, you know, how many jelly beans were in his hand. So a bunch of people guessed right, right, how many jelly beans were in his hand. So he circled that right there. And he said, you know, so who's right? So they said, oh, he is, he is, he is, he is. And he circled all the right numbers. And then he asked, Okay, now let's go to the other column. Who's right about this column? Who's right? And they said, what? What do you mean, who's right? Then he asked them this. When it comes to your convictions, your faith, what you believe, does it belong in the column with the jelly beans over that column? Or does it belong over the column of your favorite song. And nearly half the class said, it belongs over the column with the favorite song. And we said, wow, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. You see, the dynamics of choosing wisely are, are the dynamics of lining up your faith, your convictions, your beliefs, your assumptions with what's really real. With the jelly bean column, with what number is actually, what number of jelly beans are actually in someone's hand, with what's really real. So, how do you shift if if we all have illusions, if we all have denial and illusions and optimism that, that doesn't always line up, assumptions and convictions even, that don't always line up with the truth? How do we make the shift? That's what we're going to be talking about, beginning with this question. How do we make this shift? And the answer, as you're going to see in the first chapter of James, as we go through James this whole month, the answer is you have to ask. From the Word of God, James chapter 1. Follow along. Will you open your Bibles if you brought it? I encourage you to... Bring your Bibles and have you know, Mark next to us. We're going to be studying the book of James, and we're going to be making links between James and uh, Proverbs. Open up your, your Bibles and follow along James 1, 1 through 11. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And when I read, like, do y'all just hear words? I mean, because sometimes I think, are they really listening to what I just said? 
the testing of your faith produces something. Steadfastness. That's pretty good. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. And the flowers fall and it, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. This is God's word. Let us pray. Lord, open the eyes of our, of our faith. Open our eyes by faith. That we may see what we don't want to see. So that we can become what we do want to become. In Jesus' name, amen. This quotation is not from a former president, although many of you may connect it with a former president from many years ago. But this is a humorist, an American humorist named Josh Billings. He said this, It ain't ignorance that causes so much trouble. It ain't ignorance that causes people so much trouble. It's them knowing so much that ain't so. So sometimes it's not that we don't know stuff. It's that what we think we know ain't so, right? That's a problem. That's a, that's a problem because we cause trouble for ourselves. Let me give you a couple of examples. Like you, you've seen somebody, you've seen this person at the karaoke, uh, in front of the karaoke machine, right? And they really think they sing well, right? They really think they're good, okay? Now, I'm not making fun of them because I'm, I'm one of those people. Now, now not that I want to go sing. I mean, I, when I sing, it's kind of like I make a, a joyful noise, all right? That's what I make. You know, so I'm not making fun of people who can't sing. But when you don't know you can sing and you think you can sing, right? That's the person that, that uh, you know, they know something that ain't so. Now, that's kind of a silly example, but let's, let's take a more serious example. You know, there are people who have great talent, but they don't have the confidence that they do. And, you know, they hide it. They hide it. They don't develop it. They're going to spend a lifetime just sort of down in the mouth. And the Lord has given them great gifts, but they don't develop it because of their confidence. They know something that ain't so. And then there are people who, who think they know it all, right? And they do know a lot, but they're worried that, that people are going to think they're ignorant. So they're always telling you what they know, right? And they're always making themselves a nuisance to people because they're constantly spouting off what they think they know. But they know something that ain't so. Their fear drives them. You see, their fear distorts their view of reality. And so they need to become wise. Who can become wise? Why do some people become wise and others don't? Well, we're going to look at the fool and we're going to look at the wise. The fool is one who is unwilling 
to be tested because tests reveal us to us. That's the fool. A fool is unwilling to be tested. And so he dodges and ducks, right? Unwilling to be tested because tests reveal us to us. But the wise is willing to be revealed. So let's look at those two moves here, the fool and the wise. First, the fool. The fool is unwilling to be tested, to be revealed to himself. And so the fool is shaped by their circumstances around them, to be comfortable in all situations. I just want to be comfortable. I'm going to blend in, right? You see how that works? Can you connect it back with the scripture? The double-minded, right? The double-minded. Somebody's always sort of shifting and getting blown around by the wind. And whatever way the wind blows, I'm going to go. You know, I, I think about these two old guys. That, you, you ever watch the Muppet Show when you were young? I mean, some of y'all were old enough to, to see the Muppet Show. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. The Muppet, Muppet Show, okay? The Muppet Show. My favorite part of the Muppet Show were the two old guys up in the balcony. You know, they're, they're the peanut gallery, always commenting on what just happened. Maybe Kermit just sang some beautiful thing like, uh, the rainbow connection and all, the, you know, everybody's just sort of swaying and all that kind of thing. And, and, and here are these two old guys. And uh, this, one, this one little skit, they did this. They said, they, they flash up to them. There's this, you know, somebody had just finished a performance. They flash up to the balcony. And, and one of the old guys says, boo! And the other looks at him and he says, boo! And he says, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, that was just awful. And then the other guy says, you know, s- some of it wasn't so bad. And he says, yeah, 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 some of it I kind of liked. And he says, yeah, actually, uh, actually, it was kind of good. Yeah, it was great. It was a, more, more, bravo, bravo. Like, oh, my gosh, they went from boo to bravo, right? And, and you can kind of see that the one guy, you know, is sort of stronger than the other guy. And he kind of... In faith, without doubting. Now, when he's saying doubting, he's not saying that you don't have questions. He's saying that sometimes we have to have conviction even though we do have questions. A bunch of different ways to, to use this language. Now, the, the word for doubt here is not the word that's always used for doubt. This, this really has to do with conviction. It doesn't mean that, that it's wrong to ask questions or that sometimes you have to step out even though you do have questions, right? The one who doubts is like a wave on the sea that's driven, tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. For he's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. You know, why why do the fools hide? Fools hide, that's what it is. Why do they hide? They want to be comfortable. They just want to blend in. And so, rather than being shaped by reality, rather than taking their, uh, their assumptions and convictions and beliefs and lining it up with the jelly bean column, right? Rather than being lined up with reality, lined up with what's really real, lined up with what's true and good and right, they're just going to stay comfortable. They're going to go with the strongest opinions. They're going to go with the most intense emotions 
They're going to sense that somebody really believes this and they're very articulate and they're really going to press for their point or they really have a very strong opinion and so they're not going to get in the way of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. The fool is shaped by circumstances because they hide it. That's what they hide. They hide in plain sight. But the wise is willing to be tested because the wise are willing to be revealed. First and foremost, to themselves. Because tests will reveal us, right? Tests reveal. They reveal us to us. So let's look at two different kinds of tests. Because I believe that you all want to be wise. Like, like I, I want to be wise, don't you? So we ask. It says ask, and you will receive that. I mean, this is one of the things in the Bible. Note this well. This is one of those things in the Bible where it says Ask this. Ask this in particular for wisdom. You want wisdom? Ask, and there's a guarantee you're going to get it. But you have to be willing. You really have to. When you ask, you have to really want. You have to want it. You have to want wisdom. That means you have to be willing to receive it, which means you might have to adjust some of your assumptions and convictions and beliefs to line up in the jelly bean palace. Somebody tuning in in the middle of this sermon is going to go, line up the jelly bean column. What is he talking about? The jelly bean column. To line up with truth. To line up with what is good and right and true. Two tests, all right? For those who are ready to ask for wisdom and willing to be tested, willing to be revealed, two tests. The trust test and the temptation test. Okay, let's look at those two. First of all, the trust test. The trust test is a test to see whether or not You're trusting what is trustworthy. Are you willing to be tested to see whether or not you indeed are trusting what is trustworthy? Is what you're trusting in your assumptions, your beliefs, and convictions? Because we don't know everything, right? Nobody knows everything. So at some point, right, I don't know everything about an airplane, but I'm going to get on an airplane, right? There's going to be a certain amount of assumptions, right, that I'm going to make. And so, so you. We don't know everything about everything. So at some point, we have to trust. And is what we're trusting, are we what we are assuming and convicted about and believing? Does it line up with what is good and right and true? We have to be willing to be tested to see if what we are trusting is trustworthy. A friend of mine, Jim, was standing on this bridge. And uh, he's looking down at deep water, you know. It's a bridge that everybody jumps off of, you know, in the summertime. And it's not very high. I mean, it's about, it's about 15 feet, maybe 20 feet, all right? High dive is about 15, 12, 15 feet, something like that. You know, a, uh, you know the, the, the top platform of a, uh, uh, you know, of a dive tank is like, what, 10 meters, 30 feet. So it's like halfway up to that. So it, it's, you know, it looks high when you're up there. And... These, these fishermen come sort of underneath the bridge, and they're looking up at the guy, and he's sort of at Jim, and he's sort of peeking over like this. And, and they said, are you going to jump? And Jim says, I'm thinking about it. And they call back and said, it's not a thinking man's sport. <laughs> All right, so does he trust something trustworthy? It's water. It's going to catch him. Does he really trust it? Well, he has to be willing to jump. You see in verse 3, what's happening? 
when you face disappointment, when you face heartache, these are tests. When you face all of the different D's in your life, you know, all the things that start with D are not good, right? You know that, right? All those different D's that, that, that greet you, when you face those, they come to us as tests of trust. And can we be strengthened for them? When is the time? When is the time to be strengthened for all those different D's in your life? Well, as you go, are you indeed trusting what is trustworthy? That's why James says, count it joy. Here's an opportunity to build some strength, to be lined up a little bit more with what is good and right and true, with what's really real and what's really enduring. That's why he says at the very very bottom, sort of perplexing, let the, let the high in life, the, the socially high, uh, exalt in their, in their lowliness and let the low exalt in their, their highness, right? He's saying, you know, recognize that our circumstances are so limited. See the opportunities in those disappointments, in those difficulties. See the opportunity to build some strength, to build a sense of steadfastness. Let's look at verse 3 again. Just read it again with me. For you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, produces steadfastness. Well, next time one of those Ds come up, comes along, are you seeing the opportunity in it and seeing the opportunity in it? So that's the first test, the test of trust. Are you trusting what is trustworthy? First of all, are you trusting? I mean, Jim, is he trusting you? Well, we'll see. <laughs> he never told me the rest of the story, whether he jumped or not. I don't know. But it is what he's trusting in lined up with the reality. Is it trustworthy? Second is the test of temptation. And the test of temptation is the test to see whether or not you want what God wants. Are you lined up with what is good and right and true? Are you lined up with reality? Are you lined up with a long vision? Are you lined up with the, the long game? Right? The test of temptation is the test to see whether or not you want, I want, what God wants. Verse 13. Let's look at this. This is going to seem to con contradict everything I'm saying, but we're going to walk, th walk through it real quick. Let no one say that when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You see? So, God tests us even with his good gifts. And sometimes his good gifts become a temptation for us because we love them in the wrong way. Is that God doing it to us? No, it's, it's coming from us, you see? God tempted Abraham, right? He kind of tested him, tempted him. He said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, who you love, up to Mount Moriah, and sacrifice him, okay? So what would be the temptation there, right? I mean, Adam and Eve only had to not touch one tree, not eat of one tree, right? That's all they had to do. Abraham has to slay his son, his only son, whom he loves. Would he be tempted to disobey? You know, raise your hand if you'd be tempted. Don't raise your hand. I don't do that. But I'm going to raise my hand for you that I would be tempted 
to disobey. But did he? The angel has to intervene because he is going to obey God. He was tempted. Did God say, hey, Abraham, I want you not to obey me? Of course not. But what is God doing? He's showing Abraham to Abraham. Powerful. See, the opportunity, even in temptation, is to see what is lurking. Oh, we walk around and we're all put together, aren't we? You know, we're all buttoned up and zipped up and everything's good. But then lurking, lurking. I just kind of threw a little thing in there. Y'all didn't really notice that. With the right up. You see, count it all joy, joy, even when you're tempted to see what's there. So you can deal with it before the right opportunity. You can deal with it. Yeah, that's why um, Paul says to Timothy, he says, I've hand, and this is early on in, in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.20, he says to, to Timothy, he says, I've handed uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander over to Satan. What? That's weird. What a strange thing to say. I've handed them over. What does he mean? It's sort of an idiom, but also he's, he's being literal in, in one sense. He's saying, look, we're going to put them outside of the fellowship because they are being disruptive to our fellowship. And so let them experience the full weight and condition of their sin, their divisiveness. Let them experience the full weight of what that's like. Let's hand them over. Let's put them into some worse circumstances so that they can experience what it's like to deal more fully with the condition of their hearts, the darkness of their hearts. That's what temptation So that we can deal with it. See, God isn't, you know, so we pray, lead us not in temptation. He's not saying that God is going to say, oh, I really want you to be enticed not to do what I want you to do. Of course, that's a total contradiction. Right? But even in a fallen world, even in a fallen world, do you see how even temptation can be redeemed by God? To reveal you to you. I mean, because, because, because the acting out on tem- of temptation is this, it's just the symptom on the surface of what's lying beneath and the condition of self-centeredness and selfishness. And Lord, I'm doing it on my own. Stay back. I mean, all those things that keep us from God. To be revealed to ourselves is to know ourselves so that we can deal with ourselves. That's the wise. The wise are willing to be tested. Wise are willing to be tested even at the level of temptation that they may be revealed. And you say, Tim, is it really that loving to, to test? You know, I mean, because when I'm facing one of those deeds, I kind of think, is God there? Does he really love me? I mean, maybe, maybe I don't doubt that he's there. But sometimes, don't we doubt that he wants the best for us when we're facing one of the dark deeds, you know? And I, th- I always think about my kids, you know. There's so many times when I had to mete out some kind of, some kind of discipline, some kind of punishment, you know. Um, the pain of not getting to watch the movie with the rest of the family. The pain of having to go clean up your room or do extra chores. You know, sometimes kids need to experience the consequences of what they did. And we don't like this. It's uncomfortable. 
lot of times we sort of wimp out, you know, and just go, oh, it's all right, no big deal. It is a big deal. And when you follow through on those things, it is loving. It is loving. And then, you know, a lot of times I remember so many times giving this little speech like, look, <laughs> whoever it was, you know, I'm thinking of don't one of them in particular, uh, each of the four of them in particular. That's what I meant. <laughs> and I remember giving this speech so many times like, look, if I didn't see such potential in you, if I didn't care about you so much, if I didn't think so much of you, I, just, I wouldn't waste my time. I wouldn't waste my energy on you. That's why it's so powerful to think the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. See, this is what James is saying. So the next time you recognize there is opportunity in it. When God is in his workshop, he's working on you. And you say, well, you know, I don't, a lot of times it feels like maybe I've done something wrong or, you know, he's getting me back. He doesn't do that. Okay? Let me say that again. God doesn't pay you back for things you've done wrong out of discipline. He doesn't, that, that's karma. Okay? This is not Christianity. Don't believe that. That's dark. That's, that's out of the pit thought, that idea. But you may be convicted. Now, maybe you haven't dealt with something. You haven't been forgiven. You haven't forgiven yourself for something. And so when some, one of these deeds comes along and you start feeling like, oh, God's paying me back. Well, maybe you haven't dealt with something yourself. But he's not paying you back. He says time and time again, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. You see, it's not payback. He's shaping you. He's forming you. He's shifting you to the jelly bean column, right? He's taking your, your, your beliefs and your assumptions and your convictions, and he's lining them up with reality. Are you willing? The wise are willing. If you're willing, then ask. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for the fact that You are willing to shape us. Open our eyes of faith that we may see what we do not want to see. So we may become what we do want to become. In Jesus' name.